You're listening to Outside Radio. Welcome to Queering It Up. I am your host, Lele, and I hope you've had an amazing, amazing two weeks, I think. Catch us on Outside Radio on www.outsideradio.live or on Instagram, only at Outside Radio. Today's guest is a media practitioner, a Nigerian-born media practitioner. When you said media practitioner, it feels like I do juju. No, you practice. He is a media practitioner. Media practitioner. Ah, stop it, Jason. And he's been thriving in China for umpteen years. It's been my God, it's been fucking long. But hey, you are thriving. You're not do. You're not. You're not failing here. I am thriving, and I've come a long way from first when I came into China. Yeah. And Most definitely, it's been a big change. The last few days, I was looking at pictures of the past, yeah. and it was like, huh, you know, you really have to compare old and new. How, just how many years has it been? Eleven years, give or take. My God, since twenty ten. Two thousand and nine. Two thousand nine. Yes, May. You uh uh-uh. uh. That time I, I was still grade, <laughs> I was grade 11. Oh, goodness. Mm-mm. Okay, so what we do sometimes here on Outside Radio, we let the guest introduce themselves because no one else can describe you better than yourself. Okay, this feels like a job interview, which I wasn't prepared for. It's a job interview at Outside Radio. Do tell. Uh, so, Jason, I'm Jason Lowell. Um, Jason, obviously, is not my Nigerian name, but it is named my did pick up in China because when I came here first, it was like, okay, your name is like Jibola. We can't pronounce that. We can't remember it. Give us something easy. So I went for Jason. I think it has stuck a bit. And so that's what I use. Um, so Jason Lowell, um, I live in China for the last, I would say almost 12 years now. So in two or three months in May, that should be around 12 years that I've been in China. So Believe me, once you stayed in China for five years, the time flies. And before really? you know it, it's just like, oof, oof. I feel like 2021, it's already February. I'm like, okay, this year is already pretty much done. Yeah, it's, it's <laughs> rushing. 2021 is actually rushing and I'm loving it. And we're already going into March. It's March. Um, so been here for a while. Um, one of the things I do like about China is that you get to do everything. Yeah. Uh, not everything, everything, but like you get to have a lot of experiences, and I think I've dipped my. Your what? <laughs> <laughs> Your what? No, I have tried many things. Um, I've been a teacher, an actor, a media person, and currently doing insurance. Oh. Um, so health insurance is where I'm at at the moment, and I am loving it. Can you just like tell us a little more about your upbringing in Nigeria? So we're jumping right in. Yeah, we're jumping right in. Let's I like go. That. Okay. Um, so I was grew up in Lagos, mm-hmm. Lagos, Nigeria. I guess Lagos is a city where everybody thinks Nigeria. They think of Lagos, yeah. and um, in a very very small region of Lagos. So pretty much with Lagos, you have Lagos mainland. Mm-hmm. And then you also have the islands. You were from uh, those, uh, what's... 
Victor Island, Lucky. Banana Island. Banana, I wish. <laughs> <laughs> no, not from Banana Island or Victoria at all. But this place is be fancy. Mm. But actually, where we lived, we live close to Costain at Butemeta. So in Butemeta, it's not that far away from the island. Mm. So actually, in the past, all you have to do is like take three buses to go to the, the island. And, and so most places would go to CMS, and then from there, you can go to the islands. Uh-huh. So it's a journey. So how were you as a kid? How was I? I was... Pretty rowdy. Rowdy? No. <laughs> um, if I go back to the memories that they did um, share with me, like, I have, like, this picture of myself with... Uh, really big tummy so like uh. my mom says like when i was a kid i used to like a lot of people a lot um i was very friendly very approachable and i used to hang out with my grandmother a lot mm-hmm. so pretty much we would both sit in front of the house and then there's like this small snack called puff puff mm-hmm. so it's just kind of like flour and you fry it and then it puffs off a bit like poof. flour flour and what like you put Yeast and water. Oh. Then you put flour inside it, you close it up, the yeast, the flour, the dough rises. Oh. And then after that, you fry it, and then it's just called puff puff. And they're like people who, the hawkers, and they sell the puff puff. And oh. they walk across the street and they sell this. We is, call it amaguinha. Amaguinha. Uh, not ama. Amaguinha. Amaguinha. There we go. Puff puff sounds easier. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> Um, yeah, so we would, I would stay with my grandma in front of the house and we would literally eat that. So every time like a puff puff was walking by, we would share some puff puff. And usually my grandma would drink some, uh, yes, some spirits. Or there is this, um, it's kind of like a herb mixture drink Mm -hmm. called Agbo Jedi Jedi. So it's just like if you have fever, okay. you drink a boy. If you have a cough, you drink a boy. If you have anything you have, you drink <laughs> Usually they put alcohol in it. So uh, usually we would share and drink a bit. How uh, old are you? Old enough. Three. This bitch just said old enough. Three. <laughs> but just in very small quantities. Okay. Yeah, eventually my mom found out and no more grandma stuff. Um, But yeah, so that was me growing up. A lot of the rest of my childhood, I don't think I remember a lot. I think like the earliest memory I have now was maybe when I was seven. And in um, kindergarten. And I think that was when God found me. And then things changed. God found you how? Religion found me. Oh. Not God. Okay. Also, <laughs> oh, you were very religious. Or uh, what? Depends on how you look at religion. I believe... Um, so, when I was seven, eight, I think my aunt at the time started exploring religion options. Um, deep Alive, Catholicism, Redeemed, mm-hmm. Saleh. And so pretty much we went along to all of those different places and eventually she got stuck with Jehovah's Witnessing so that was the path she actually took so you also took that 
So we okay. also took that for years. Okay. So how 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 old were you when you realized? Because I'm gonna go back to the the religion. How old were you when you realized that you're gay? I think I was seven. Oh, and right about the <laughs> religion age <laughs> before the religion kicked in. And I think this is, I would say, one of my earliest memories. And it was it's still quite vivid at the moment. I believe we were going, I was going to the barber shop mm -hmm. to cut my hair. And in that barber shop, they also sold CDs. So mostly in Nigeria, like most barber shops would also be a movie store where you can get to rent cassettes. Yeah, good old days of cassettes. <laughs> uh, those days would never come back, but they were fun. So they would also sell cassettes mm -hmm. and... Uh, Pretty much, they also had like the porn section. Ah, yeah, and so at seven. What do you mean at seven? No, no, I'm saying this was happening at the age of seven. They had the section there, yeah. and there Ooh, were like guys there. on the pictures, and I was looking at that, and I felt like I wasn't relating more to the woman in the picture, but the guy in the picture. Mm. So I would say that would be. I didn't, I don't think I knew what it was at that moment, but I would say that was the spark. Mm. <laughs> You're like, I'm different. Yep. And then what, from there, where did you go? What happened next? Nothing. With you, no, I'm saying like in terms of then exploring your sexuality. Still nothing. Really? Because it wasn't something I understood. Uh -huh. or I don't know what it was. And well, I was young and sex and all of that wasn't something that... I've ever thought about and I guess like religion kicked in and so pretty much got married to the Lord mm. after that yeah so then you basically suppressed your sexuality in a sense so pretty much they are a lot of effeminate I wouldn't say not a lot but I went to different schools and like in most schools there would be guys that were effeminate mm -hmm. And they were accepted in the society in a way. So they weren't ostracized. They weren't treated differently. And most of the time they would be accepted a lot by the guys, accepted a lot by the girls. The teachers would like them because they could easily, I don't know, connect with them. Yeah. It was kind of like that connection. And so pretty much for the schools growing up, that was something I experienced a lot um, in primary school. And from even, your side? From my side. Even one of my closest friends today, he was a feminist and I always thought he was straight. Mm. And I recently just found out he was gay like four years ago. So I guess like a lot of the guys who were a little bit effeminate or gay like me, you either suppress it or you just pretend like it is normal. Mm. And I think one thing about Nigeria that we are amazing at is we get to choose our own reality or believe the reality that we want to believe. So if you sell it well enough, people would accept it just because they didn't want to accept the truth because that is a much more painful idea to deal with. Mm -hmm. So the idea that, okay, he is still a straight person, but a little bit closer to the feminine side, then that is a little bit more... It's a better narrative. It's not a better, it's a terrible narrative. That he's gay. 
than accepting that he's gay. So they would accept that narrative over that of just pure gay. This is actually something that Mark had also brought up in our interview that it's it's easier to accept someone who'd cross dress yeah. than accepting that someone is just gay. Yes. Okay. And I don't fully get it. Um I think I do because I think I've also spent a lot of time thinking about this. Mm-hmm. It is more about the idea that if they do accept because if you're a cross-dresser, if you're a little bit effeminate, if you are a little bit different, quirky, uh, yeah. then it's it could be funny. You could make joke of it. You could talk about it with your friends. And you're not really facing the topic. You're yeah. not being asked to question your ideals and your principles. Because Nigeria is very religious, be it Juju, Buddhism, Christianity, people mix all of them all together. Yeah. But at the core of everybody, I think there is religion. And so with religion being there, and uh, it is kind of strict. And so pretty much you don't want to question those things because then you accept gay and then it means you also have to accept how you feel about the Bible, how you feel about God, how you feel about... It's a lot of questions that that could be a path a lot of people it's not a difficult it's not an easy path to work um so a lot of people wouldn't want to go down that route so it's a little bit one eye close one eyes open kind of situation and so then with that being said so you've never explored your sexuality in nigeria oh i explored okay okay let's go (laughs) do tell um Exploration, I would say a lot of Nigerians are gay. Ah. On the record. <laughs> you said. Um, I, technically, I would say like one in ten. Okay. Yeah. So, pretty much a lot of the guys, I would say, the last time I went back home around four years ago, um, you turn up most of the apps, you get to see a lot of people. And these were the people who are not out and proud, but out and willing to, you know, go a little bit extra. Mm. But then for all of those people who go on the apps, there are a lot of, I would say, double or triple their size that are still on the down low and do things in secret. So they mm-hmm. do get to be, you know, the question, exploration. Yeah. So... And not necessarily just sexually, but just to be within you, to embrace your sexuality and walk in it proudly on the streets of Nigeria. When did that moment happen? Or has it even happened? Good question. I would say, so I went to a boarding house and... It did happen, I would say, close to the, when I was in my senior years, like senior two and senior three. And at that time, I didn't have a lot of classes and were kind of free. So I would say that was a time that I let go a little bit. I would wear my pink sweaters Mm -hmm. and just be fashionable and hang out with all the girls. And, you know, we talk about boys and who is dating who and who is going out with who and who is going to go 
so it was kind of like that i would say like the girls at that moment they were like this two particular girls that were my really close friends they really embraced me and it just made me feel welcomed and i could it was a safe space and pretty much in nigerian schools you have um I guess in every school, so you have the cool kids yeah. that oh, have a lot of power and sway with teachers and other students. And then you have, so if they, you are able to get into their circle, then nobody's going to say anything about you. Yeah. Because all, that just makes you... You're protected in a sense. You're protected in a sense. So you're cool, you're fine, you're in. Mm-hmm. So pretty much being that, I was able to be a little bit more myself. And I think they were a little bit more... They accepted me, not as a gay person, but as somebody who was different, but who was also interesting and had was smart and had a day to share and all of that. So I guess I went into being gay a little bit in that moment. So that was like your stepping stone. Like, okay, cool. I can try to maneuver. But then outside school, what would then happen? Outside school, you go back to walking straight like a military um (laughs) when i was young i used to catwalk i think there was there is a memory when i was kind of six and i saw like this lady walking and i thought like that was the most beautiful thing like the sway of the hips and then i also tried to i also so i copied Uh. and so i also started doing the same thing and um pretty much it was an entire struggle for over 10 years <laughs> everybody is like jason you cannot catwalk walk straight <laughs> put your hands down stop swinging your hands and <laughs> it was and today i do walk straight and i would say if i do regret anything it was that the culture kind of like killed that ajibola that person mm. from that time by the constant like you know be this way and be that way and you not being allowed to be fully myself and it's like you're growing so it's kind of like a stunted growth and Mm -hmm. i wasn't allowed to flower because i was going to ask you like how you have you never been like conflicted as with your sexuality and being a nigerian man that you're supposed to be quote in air quotes but you just like basically answered that it stunted that growth. Each and every day. Because you get to live in a society where being a man is the thing. Mm-hmm. You get to marry many wives and you get people having side dishes and the concubines all around. And that is the norm. Mm-hmm. Okay, polygamy and playing around and men holding all the power and making other decisions. And... Literally from growing up, you're groomed to become a man. Yeah. And so anything that is non-manly in the Nigerian sense of the word, being too kind, being soft-spoken, it's like, you got to talk with a bass. Yeah. <laughs> so if you go, oh, yeah, it's okay. like, uh, uh, <laughs> no. <stop it. laughs> so being groomed in all of that things, I think, and I feel like for myself, I was able to kind of survive or sorry not survive that's the wrong word kind of skate through that experience Ah. because my family was okay 
and we lived in a community that was a very small one and people were very accepting because our family was sort of important mm-hmm. and so we didn't feel the harshness of the if you lived you know in places where you weren't accepted yeah so to speak going into the family like have you told your parents about your sexuality no do you plan on ever telling them no why if i may ask do you fear do you do you fear anything is it about acceptance is it about you don't want to lose what you have um no i feel they say in many ways you are who you were raised to be and sometimes most of those ideas and principles they do get to stick with you at the end of the day when you grow up you shed a little bit but sometimes the core remains the core mm-hmm. and i guess at this moment i am sort of fine with how things are with the status quo mm-hmm. and sometimes yes there is the argument like you do have to like somebody doesn't wouldn't love you unless they know who you truly are mm-hmm. unless they're able to accept the gay kind of the gay you and that's only where love can truly blossom but i disagree with this um if personally from the nigerian side of it i would say there is love and there is acceptance mm-hmm. and as long as the love and hmm, let me think of how to phrase that there is love and there is acceptance and there is knowledge mm-hmm. about who you are because one thing is like there is no way you could hide being gay. Yeah. And I don't think anybody does it. Even though in our heads we think like we're keeping it like, cool ah, and I'm good like they don't know. <laughs> People know. Yeah. And it's just a matter of looking the other way or just pretending like that is not a reality. Mm-hmm. So even for me I feel like that in itself is a kind of strength because when you live in a society where people could lynch you on the street yeah. with a tire and it's you could go to prison for it or you could get ostracized for it and life could be difficult and tough but then your family members or people who are close to you would accept you as you are but it's just like this is a topic that we don't want to broach with you because it would create a host of other troubles in the society with our friendship and how we get to react with you and like that is something you can get to lose and so yeah so how do you think uh it's not the your f- your family mem- like your mother for example mm-hmm. would if someone outed you to her what do you think the reaction would would be she would be cool uh-huh. i came out to my one of my best friends nigerian mm-hmm and he was like okay keep it moving keep it moving i came out we never talked about it and it's been a few years later so pretty much i feel if that does happen she would be sad we would have the conversation we would move on and it would go to a page that we wouldn't might not broach ever again 
That's fair. So then, uh, when you leave uh, and go to another country, right? How does it feel when you go back, back home? Because you're here, you're you within, you're one with yourself. Because now there's no, you don't give a fuck about anyone. Mm-hmm. Fuck anyone's uh, judgment. Fuck anyone's whatever they think about me. So now, how do you go back to that space that you have to now be mindful of your surroundings and be mindful of who you are in Nigeria? That is usually the tough part of going home because you have to put on a persona of somebody different Mm. but most of the time i just think about it like okay it's a sacrifice that i have to do for a few weeks and i just have to do this and it would be fine but the last time when i did go back home when was this I think it was 2017. Um, It was... There was a persona. So when you're with certain people, you get to put on that persona of being straight and um, macho and masculine and all of that. But then there is also a very strong gay community Mm. within Lagos. So I was actually very fortunate. I met a few people. And they took me to places and gathering and house parties. And I was like, okay. So there is a... Are they gay clubs? Not, no. So I think people would literally just do house parties. And there might be some clubs that are gay friendly. Mm. Then how how do you feel about uh, depression within our community that sometimes leads to suicide at times like a lot of times because of not being accepted of not being seen and also of not knowing how to deal with a society that just doesn't see us and doesn't want us in their presence per se that's cool depression is cool <laughs> <laughs> fuck <laughs> Like what? <laughs> I had almost stopped. Yeah. I'm like, it's cool. Sorry, you Um. Personally, I have been through depression, and I've been sad. And real sad. Like that kind of sadness where you just want to end it all and kill yourself. And so I've gone through that, but I've also been able to get out on the other side. Not through my own self-will, but like through help from people and having strong support system in terms of friends and people who understand and who are really able to relate and care and give you the support you actually really need so that has been good um going back to you have a support system that helped you get out of your 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 depression out of your slump out of your that 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 feeling of not feeling like good so those that do not have it are there any 
hotlines or places that people can go to within your area in Nigeria? No. I would say there are centers or people, mm -hmm. organizations that do help, but people do not readily reach out to these organizations because number one, you're afraid of the government. Number two, you're afraid of people finding out. So I would say for like most Nigerians, secrecy is the key. Mm -hmm. And pretty much, I think this is the most painful and saddest part about it. Because if you're going through the worst emotions of period in your life, or you're having feelings you don't understand, and you can't talk to your mom about it, you can't talk to your dad about it, you can't talk to people who are the adults in your life, the people who are supposed to guide you, care and okay. guide you, and you can't, it's so, it's a very isolating feeling, and you just go down this hole like nobody understands, nobody cares, nobody sees you. Feeling like and the world is closing in on you. It closes in on you. And I think for a lot of people, this just leads to a lot of negative um, emotions. People get to act out, they get to lash out, they get to involve in unsafe sexual practices and meet people who would be more they get to be more impressionable and susceptible to hurt and danger and bad stuff and that is why i think it just circulates that circle of hatefulness mm. and it creates this hate inside of yourself not just for who you are but also for other people and um i would say like it makes it very difficult personally for a lot of Nigerian people to not Nigerian people like gay guys from mm -hmm. my experience to truly love somebody else mm -hmm. because you've lived in a place where you were never accepted you were never loved for many many years and it's just like from this person to the next person get what little you can and once it's enough you go on to the next Goodness. and so pretty much having to have something stable and it's just one person even if that person is perfect oh jesus it's um a struggle to push past that because there is always that thought in your mind that tells you like nobody really cares you mm -hmm. know and nobody but that is bullshit and i think it's just a result of the society and the way you grow and honestly, one of the things that I do, how deep are we going in here? Go. <laughs> Go. You could feel free to edit away. Um, yeah. I would say, honestly, in a lot of, so a lot of the gay guys, when they do get to come into themselves, they are, I would say, underaged. Mm -hmm. So 11, 12, 13, 14. And then, you know, they get to experience things with people who are a little bit more older, older. and experienced than they are. So you have uncles or daddies and, you know, promising money to these people or tuition or seeing you through school. And they treat them in, just to say, those experiences are terrible. Mm. And for example, if you don't have the finances 
to support yourself and there's somebody giving you all of this then it's something sometimes you don't have any choice but to take yeah, it because you have parents and families that you would need to take care of their responsibilities and no matter what that person does at the end of the day who do you turn to yeah. you can turn to the parents you can turn to the police you can turn to the government so you are completely at that person's mercy and it's just a lot of people on a daily basis are going through this and that just makes me sad thinking about it most of the time i push those ideas away from my mind and mm -hmm. i think that's one of the reasons why i don't even sometimes want to go back to nigeria because it's just like facing all of the starts and all of these things that could be happening at the moment mm. and it is sad um and it does make me sad and also my own personal experiences have been boxed up yeah it's also a sad thing and now i'm in a relationship and learning to love i think i'm learning like a 16 year old for the very first time oh, that's cute, that it is cute and like knowing like okay they're oh this is fun and this is nice mm. and so this is how it should be right so i kind of like want that for a lot of people if i could just go back and wave my wand and give that to a lot of people that would be amazing so how has how, how has life changed for you since moving out of nigeria it's changed freedom mm -hmm. china is a place where i would say most people are gay <laughs> a lot of gay people yeah. um not gay like gay gay but gay in a way like they're free and they're accepting and they don't really mind as long as you do you mm. and you stay out of their environment yeah. they're fine you know that so pretty much china was a place where i got to be independent it's a place where i got to be free and meet more gay people queer people um created a small pride community in Tianjin and we had all members of the Quake community involved and we had programs and activities and pretty much we shared and like one of our members was um yeah she was trans and she was transforming and so it was just a very interesting journey to help him through that entire process mm. so it's been honestly i'm grateful yeah. and thankful because being back in nigeria wouldn't have been able to experience this yeah. so it's only getting to china getting a job being a black person in my own skin dating mm -hmm. other people and if i want to go out in nets completely fine or in shorts the Chinese would look, but they wouldn't talk. Yeah. So completely fine. And there is a freedom in that. And also going to a workplace where you can easily tell your colleagues that I'm gay. Yeah. And they're like, okay. It is what it is. <laughs> and they move on. It's uh, very free. Now you don't realize the weight that it yeah. has on you. You don't think about it. Because, like, every time you have to go to a place and you just think about, oh, I have to come out to, to this person. And it's always, like, a coming out situation. It's like, do I have to? Mm, that's, it is. <laughs> like, oh, my gosh. Like, 
can people just not all get the memo all at once and like leave me the fuck alone also i think i was watching one time that they said straight people have to come out too that would be fair like hey i'm straight maybe something in the future we never know when with this it's not gonna happen have hope in 50 (laughs) years or 100 years when it's become more normal, okay. then you can't just look at someone and assume, assume. that they're either straight or gay. Mm. So the person has to tell you what they identify as. Uh, and that's I true. pray for the future. Mm, I hope it, it does come. How do you maneuver your sexuality now compared to in your early 20s? Because you are 39. Beaming, I've grown into myself. <laughs> I'm like a uncle ready to party. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, how old are you? Now hey. I just look at the boys. I'm like, yes, I've been there, done Back that. in my day. <laughs> how old are you? It is back in my day. 30... I'm not telling you. You're 32. <sighs> Let's go with that. Okay. So how do you maneuver now compared to your early 20s, late teens? I feel like a bottle of wine. Ah. And the older I've gotten... I've aged, mm. tastier, juicier. I'm at squat. No, I think more stable. Mm. I think when I was younger, I had a host of conflicting feelings, conflicting emotions, mm. a lot of things I didn't understand, a lot of things I wanted to try, good, the good, the bad, the terrible. Um... And so that was just the driving force. I think living in Nigeria, it's just like, oh, there's a whole new world. And I had to catch up. And I wish right now that someone would have told me that I didn't really need to catch up to anything. Mm. And I could have just paced myself, you know, and experienced. And there's some things, you know, that didn't need experiencing, so to speak. Um, So I guess that was more my youth. But in the end, I came out on the good side, luckily. It could have been way worse. Mm. Um, And so now I'm cool. I'm not driven by impulses to... No impulses to try to be anything other than I am. I am fine sitting at home binge reading an audiobook for days on end. I am fine going out, mingling with people... I work and I think I have a much more stronger sense of who I am and what I want. Mm. What made you leave? Money. Uh. (laughs) You gotta go for the greener pasture that's on the other side. And Nigeria has like only a few universities and a few Mm. polytechnics. So we were not all getting into it. And pretty much even if you go to school, doesn't guarantee a job, doesn't guarantee good money. You're like, I'm out. And the minimum salary is like 600 to 700 RMB. Oh, no. A month? They pay civil servants 100 USD a month. Yeah. So, yeah, wrap your mind around that. And if you're doing very well, the top you could get is around 1,200 RMB. So that would be your salary. But it's more than enough to survive. And so imagine that and what we do have now at the moment. I'm glad I left. Yeah. 
No, no, you have to. When were you at your most happiest, do you think? Like, when I, were you I, at I, your happiest? When was I at my happiest? I don't think I've been at my full-blown happiest yet. Okay. I don't. <laughs> I don't. Because, bitch, I need money. <laughs> I need money. Like, if True. I were to have money, I think some things would just come together. The relationship part will still be a mess, but some things would come together. But at this point, I don't think... When I'm at my happiest, I'm just sitting at home, my mom and my siblings, mm. and just gossiping away. Oh, that is nice. That's like one of the happiest times I, like, that I feel. Um, so Beyonce's song, Pretty Hurts. Mm-hmm. Um, there is the line that's like, what do you, what is your aspiration in life? And it's like, my aspiration in life is to be happy. Mm. And I think for the longest of time, that was a little bit, that was my aspiration. It's like I wanted happiness and I actually didn't know what it looked like. But for me, I would say year on year on year, I have grown to be happy. Mm. And it's just in the tiny moments of meeting somebody new, of experiencing something different, of traveling, of diving in the ocean in the Philippines, jumping off a mountain, bungee jumping, mountain climbing, tasting a new dish, okay. going to Harbing and freezing off my balls. I in could the never snow. go to Harbing. It's cold. I went twice. Oh, no. And there is a raw joy in just being completely frozen and still going out there and playing with ice and picking up cold things and sliding. And I would say like all of those small tiny experiences, they pile up. Yeah. And so I guess that is at the end of the day what happiness truly is, being satisfied and content and being open to experience new things on a daily basis. Where do you see gay rights and just being gay and acceptance in the world and uh, especially... Ooh, English! (laughs) English! (laughs) Come on! Especially Nigeria. Drink your water. (laughs) God, English, where are you? Especially in Nigeria. Where do you see that in the next 10 to 15 years? I would say gay guys are taking over the world. We are powerful and we are strong, but we are also divided. Uh In what sense? Divided in the sense of community. We don't have very close needs communities. And so I feel like most gay, and maybe I'm speaking out of turn, but I feel most gay people are fighting the war, our war. War makes it sound bad. Are fighting the fight mm-hmm. in their own way to make being gay better. Mm-hmm. Even if it's just changing the mind of that one person or that one friend or that one associate. Yeah. And I feel like this is something that is more widespread across the world. And in Nigeria, we have a lot of gay people and all of those gay people have siblings that know about them Mm -hmm. and they have friends who know about them too. And that is just changing perception. 
it might not be something big or impactful at the moment but i feel it has the potential to grow into more and with media and having more gay people out in the spotlight it becomes less of um the strange and the unusual it becomes commonplace mm. so you find yourself like okay the next person to me could be a gay person and it is something that i just have to deal with and also nigerians are going outside of the country a lot we love to travel i'm like <laughs> there's nowhere you would go nowhere go no, to the antarctica i'm sure there's a nigerian Nigeria. <laughs> it's like what are you doing <laughs> i thought there was something oh, here like, there is a nigerian all the way in antarctica so people travel and they get to experience the outside culture and then they go back and i think that is a very slow incremental change that would happen and it's just like i don't know evolution sometimes a change is quick sometimes it is slow yeah. and sometimes it just needs a spark yeah to really revolutionize things so i feel like Nigeria is constantly changing. Mm-hmm. There are more effeminate people in our press. There are more people who do makeup and dress differently. And it's fun. It's cool. The media makes it. They normalize the idea of being a little bit extra. And extra is something that catches on. So I feel like the fight is being fought. Mm-hmm. But What's then, your hope for... Nigeria and gay people. That all Nigerian men be gay and the spread that love to all the beautiful gay men all over the world. Because people need Nigerian husbands. Amen to that somebody. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Seriously. Um, I don't know. I feel I'm young, but I've also experienced a lot. Mm. And so after many years of hoping and wishing, sometimes it feels like it's not something that is going to change. And sometimes I'm like, okay, I'm just going to leave it for the next generation, even though I am still in that generation. Um, Yeah. But this is something that I do know, that change is going to come. It is inevitable. And at the end of the day, it's just a matter of time. And people will eventually see, like, whatever they're scared of, whatever they're afraid of, that it doesn't exist. Gay people are just people. I'm here to say. Not going anywhere. <laughs> they can't get rid of us, mm-hmm. and most of them like us. I don't even know why they're pretending. <laughs> I mean, like it's maybe to be just be part of the cool kids. I don't know. So, what would your advice be to those struggling with acceptance of their sexuality? One day you're gonna wake up, and it's just going to be okay. And. Even though you feel you're kind of like alone and there's nobody else who cares and who could listen, I can assure you there's always that one person Mm. who would care and who would listen. And don't judge people too harshly. I think because sometimes we're judged, we also 
transferred that back to other people and two rights don't make a wrong mm -hmm. so it's hard it's going to be tough but we rise up be strong for yourself be strong for every other gay person out there and you know keep living mm, nice where can people find you on social media do you want them to find you on social media <laughs> i am actually not a very social media person oh. but if you do want to find me why would they want to find me don't find me. Leave him alone. Okay. Thank you so much, Jason. That was I actually enjoyed this this conversation. It also just made me see into the mind of Jason. Which is get see also uh, into the mind of the society in Nigeria because we always have like these misconceptions mm -hmm. uh, on what we might know and we don't know about the severity or not even the severity of it we didn't I didn't know that there's a huge effeminate gay market that is already there yeah there is I just thought people were in their own hiding by themselves mm -mm. so Come on, education. Teach me. You're okay. <laughs> you can follow me on at Lele the Guy on Twitter or Lele2 underscore G on Instagram and follow us on at Outside Radio. Until next time, bye. You're listening to Outside Radio.